We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Podcasting from the top of the rocks. This is News on the Rocks with Patty Steele. So for News on the Rocks today, I, first of all, am drinking... Um, some blueberry vodka on the rocks. I have to be on the rocks, right? And um, unfortunately, Brad Blanks, you're not here with me. So v- here's a virtual toast to you. <laughs> and um, well, so Cheers, Patty. Yes. And yeah. um, uh, thanks for having me on, on uh-huh. your great show. Um, and I'm having a cup of coffee. And I know I've let you down. <laughs> and I know you have a low opinion of my hard liquor drinking. For yeah, you're a big, puss. Yeah, yes, right. And, uh, Major puss a, when it comes I'm, to that. I'm a beer drinker, uh, and it's something I've still got to mature or evolve as a man into my hard liquor drinking. <laughs> and um, we'll do that together. And you know, uh, it'd be good to uh, it'd be good to watch a documentary with you or something, and drink hard liquor. Oh um, boy, that'd but, be fun. <laughs> yes, it would because no, there is a glowing sensation, and but it comes back to patience. So when mm-hmm. I drink my beers, I drink them quickly. And um, you do and, everything and, that way. That's right. It's not Your a poor wife. <laughs> yeah, I know, the poor darling. Yeah. So I've got to learn to relax. Uh, that's the next stage of my life, just to take, take my time, you know, look at sunsets instead of sort of rushing to get to a sunset and then not even looking at it. There you go. Right, or trying to take a bunch of pictures of it and then, <laughs> right, that's right. And then it's just, over and you're so like... I will, it's dry January, so February 1st when I get back on the drinks, okay. I will um, try to get better for you. Yeah, well, very soon because <laughs> yeah. we're in the, into the last week of January. That's right, so. yeah, amazing. <laughs> so the, the main reason I really wanted to hook up, I don't know if I should say that, hook up with you uh, today is because I love the fact, and I want to start from the beginning, I love the fact that you went to Washington for the inauguration when everybody, first of all, was telling you, including me, no, it's not a good idea. We don't know what's going to happen to you. It's going to be crazy. And tell me what was the turning point for you that made you go? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I've always, I always love the inauguration. So I always want to be there. It's a big event, and we've all been locked down for nine, nine, ten, nine to ten months. Mm-hmm. Um, and... But this, it was like, it was like, on, uh, it was actually very late. It was a late call for me. It was a few days beforehand, you know, 48 hours beforehand. My son, my 11-year-old son, Harvey, said, Dad, you know, you love being on the scene of big events. It's what you've built your career around, you know, the Olympics, the Oscars, mm-hmm. World Cup soccer, big events. And, and, you, and, you, and you go there and you actually talk about what the people are doing. Uh, and Harvey said, Go there, you'll be fine. Worst case scenario is there's something could go wrong, but you'll be in your hotel room anyway watching right. it. It's not as though you can watch it. 
But at least when you do your reports, you'll have walked around, you'll have talked to people, you'll have talked to the National Guard. This is coming from my 11-year-old. You'll, you'll, you'll have gone around and, and, and felt a part of it. And then when you do your reports, back to radio stations in Australia and back with uh, you and Scott on, on CBS FM and you know, on various other outlets, you, you'll be telling the truth. And yeah. then, and this is my son, he goes, you'll be telling the truth and you'll feel better about your reports. And then dad, who cares? Just sit in your room. He goes, when you're not doing that, sit in your room and watch Netflix. I'm fine, man. <laughs> I love him. Kind of like when you went and covered the world's biggest pumpkin contest. If you had just said, oh, I'm here on the scene, we wouldn't have known, right. but it wouldn't have the same vibrancy. Yes. The interesting thing about this all is... Um, and we'll get to the, the whole point of what the inauguration is kind of, you know, what it meant to the whole country, um, arguably the whole country on certain levels. Um, but I, you know what I really loved is, A, the fact that you actually went down there. And pretty much what happened is you got there and you went out into like a press area and it was Basically crickets, right? Yeah, nothing. Nothing was going on. <laughs> and this was the last, the really only press area for people that couldn't get one of those those lanyards that would get you to where El Roker is. Yeah, where you were like covering it for everybody and doing yeah, that's a feed. Right. right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And um, I was in this area and the, yeah, the only public there were... Uh, protesters because it was the area that was deemed by you know DC local government the Black Lives Matter protest area. So mm-hmm. that stayed in place and, and there was only six or seven Black Lives Matter protesters there, you know, sitting yeah, there, right. um, which was interesting. And But it was the closest area you could get. It was just off Lafayette Park, right next to St. John's Church, you know, the famous church where sure. I know you would, you, you, as a presidential historian, you would have many more famous moments around it. But for me in the last six months, it's where Trump stood with the Bible upside down for that right. photo shoot during the right. during the, the riots, mm-hmm. the Black Lives Matter riots. Anyway, it was right next to that, and and you could see the roof of the White House. So it was a cool spot. You could see the Washington Monument, which always looks beautiful. And um, but the only other reporters there was like people from Argentina, um, maybe German television, and they and as media people, they all want the shot. They need something, and, right. and I'd see like. Even a young lady reporter from, you know, South Korea doing a report with her sole cameraman. It was kind of quite sad. I felt bad for them. At least, at least my reporting is I'm trying to have a laugh. Empty streets. Yeah. And these, these people have flown in for that. I'm like, oh, my goodness. But I enjoy talking about that. That is my style of reporting. That is. Because you're, yeah. you're the guy that makes something out of the stuff that most people don't, yeah. don't even. Everybody's there to get that yeah. shot and to look and see if they can see the president or see the motor right. or see the protesters and, or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. You're there for the sidebar, which I absolutely love. In fact, right now, I'm reading a book that you might or might not enjoy. I don't know how many people would. It was written in 1902, and it's called 36 Years at the White House. And it's the guy that was the doorkeeper at the White House starting in the last year of the Lincoln administration, right in, I think his last year there was 1903. And he wrote this book in 1902. And it's not very well written, but it's fascinating because it's all 
observational, like things about the family and little stuff like, oh, this woman came to visit the president and she was so overcome with excitement, she passed out and I had to pick her up, you know. And he That's fantastic. And, and wackos that showed up at the door that he had to like say, hmm, I don't know if this is somebody I should let in. Because keep in mind, back in those days, the, um, the, the security <laughs> was pretty lax. Yeah, it was just this old guy that would stand there and go, I don't think he looks like the right guy. I should call somebody. Yeah, I love that that, that was written in 1902. So really in probably a few months' time, there will be book deals for the equivalent guy that worked right. at the Trump White House for right. four years. And you, you know, would have like, had a ghostwriter who would have made yeah. it, a little, it up a little bit. But, but is it a, yeah, but hasn't changed. Yeah. But what's great about it is it's, it in many ways is the take of an individual like you who is an observer. And I love that. I think that's like one of the most fascinating things. And for you in particular, um, the reason I love hearing you talk about this stuff is because this clearly by your accent and our knowledge of you is not your home country. And so you're kind of this outsider looking in at the great American ex, uh, experiment, which actually, if you're being fair, Australia is also the great Australian experiment, yes, that's right. separating yeah. from England. And But, um, you know, you, you said to me something that kind of caught my ear and I thought it was really touching that, you know, you were this little boy growing up in the countryside of Australia and you were fascinated with America and with the presidents. Yeah. So what did that feel like when you got there? And, you know, aside from all the weirdness of this particular inauguration, to be there at that moment, what did that feel like? No, the, the feeling's incredible. Like that to take me back to that little kid that I... And still covering a um, inauguration, although I'm on the outside. But but to be there in the centre of that sort of history still gets me fired up. And and I, I do have to pitch myself that you know um, I've had a few wins over my last twenty years in this job. As uh, a friend of mine called me a rollicking radio reporter, um, <laughs> which I thought I, I quite like the word rollicking in there. Um, yeah, I do too. <laughs> yeah, and um, still, you still have to go, all right, this is fantastic that I'm at this place in history of a huge historical event and the whole world was watching this on, on yeah. Wednesday. Sure. However, I'm still locked out and I'm mm -hmm. still not there. But even that, to me, enhances my experience. I, I love being the locked out one. I think that's good. But, but overall, to be honest in what you said, that the feeling is it's been a – since I've been in America – uh, I've loved my every day of being here and it's wonderful fun and being in New York City is incredible and, of course, we've had it the, the, the tough 10 months for the whole country. But mm -hmm. my love of American politics has probably waned and I used the other day the inauguration again to maybe reflect a bit on why I loved America previously and why I still love the pageantry of... Mm -hmm that transfer of power and the, the, a speech by a guy that we don't really know is how, how he's going to go and you just hope he's going to go for the good of the rest of the world. Right. And that's, they're, the, they're the virtues that I loved growing up uh, mm -hmm. following the presidency, regardless of politics. And, and so my love has, has waned, you know, um, and, and that's, a, that's a shame, you know, um, to myself. And, and, and Wednesday brought it, brought it back in the hope in the hope that there is 
hope. <laughs> Isn't that kind of like, I think, you know, in fairness to you and to us, um, I think that's what happens. It's kind of like growing up. You're really idealistic when you're young and what you see is a, the pageantry, B, the history, and you see all of the, the beauty and hot-button moments of the ideology of this American, um, as they call it, experiment. But when you're, you dive into it, it's, whether it's um, politics, marriage, a job, you begin to see all aspects. And, and I think it's natural that your enthusiasm would start to wane. Oh, good. Yeah. So don't, I wouldn't worry Thank about you. that. <laughs> I think that honestly, that's kind of the reason these moments are so essential. I think they see the same thing in England. It's not like, you know, the queen makes any decisions or anything for the country, but there is something that ties you to um, your history and to what this place is all about when you observe the pageantry of a moment like that. And I think that whether you like the guy or not, whether you believe in what went on during the election or not, we all needed a moment to breathe. And I think that it gave us that. Did you get that sense there? Oh, oh massively. Yeah, for sure. And, and using the, the word pageantry, I guess that's a great way to hook hook people in. So uh -huh. the pageantry is designed to keep, you know, uh, create a moment in time to hook the people in and then they can start unraveling if they like the guy or not or, you know, like the politics or, you know, um, you know, cause I, I, I definitely love the day and now comes, you know, and, and it's funny when you watch it as much as the media are probably treating someone like Biden as, as a media darling, um, right now, you know, <laughs> right now, there's still some wolves came out on day one. And so, you know, the, the pageantry aside, we're now into the next stage of, of getting getting ahead as as a nation. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a, it's interesting, but I, but I like that the, the pageantry exists, and and you know, and I and I, as I say, I, I love those speeches growing up. Like, like uh, to go into that whole point, how how it's waned is like I grew up idolizing um, John F. Kennedy, like, mm -hmm. and I would read thousands of books, mm -hmm. or not thousands, there's tens of books, I should say. Um, on, <laughs> thousands have been written on him, but I've read probably. Thousands well, of words. Yeah, yeah, yeah on him. And, um, you know, and, and I, I love deep diving on him as a teenager, as a, you know, when I went to university and reading about him. But now I look back on him and I'm like, he was a dirty dog that time. <laughs> so, you know, they, morally, you're they not pretty the same. <laughs> they pretty much all, it's kind of fascinating if you take a real deep look at these presidents. They're, they're neither as evil as the people that don't like them would portray them, nor are they as angelic as the people that loved them would portray them. But if you do um, study their inaugural addresses, it's really, you know, I'm a huge Lincoln fanatic and can pretty much quote some of his speeches word for word, parts certainly of his inaugural addresses. But then, you know, the other night, um, during, the e in, during the evening, the um, Celebrating America thing that was on all the networks. Yep. I thought one of the most interesting things is when they had individuals read parts of different inaugural addresses. Right. And one of the ones that really stood out to me, because um, I didn't really remember for some reason any of Ronald Reagan's, either of his inaugural addresses, but the one that really stood out to me was the quote that this, um, that this person read 
in which he said, you know, we take this for granted. Every four years, there's going to be inauguration and somebody's going to do a speech and there's big dances and all of this kind of stuff. And he said, we take it for granted and we think it's normal when in fact, it's an incredible miracle and that we can transfer power in that sense. And when I heard that, and then a little later, I saw Katy Perry singing Firework and all the fireworks going on over the Lincoln Memorial and the Lincoln Reflecting Pool and the the Washington Monument in the distance, I started to cry. Oh, Patty, it's wonderful. (laughs) And I said, oh my God, I've needed this moment. And that is, and honestly, that's not saying anything against the last four years. All it's saying, is that we needed a moment to just breathe and to celebrate the transfer of power and who we are as a nation and what uh, all of this has meant. And and we'll get down to deconstructing, I'm sure, as we always do, what comes next. But I think, you know, and I'm hoping that you felt the same way, especially as someone who loved it as a child and is a little more realistic as an adult. I took my son's advice. I sat in my hotel room after I, I, I did a lot of my reports in the morning walking around town and I watched the whole inauguration and, and it, it was fantastic. You know, I, I, it was such a TV spectacle. I mean, I, I'll give the TV mainstream media credit there. They really know, knew how to package it. And, yeah, um, they sure and, did. And it, and it looked, and, and whoever was, you know, the, let's say, call it the stage manager behind it, it was Brilliant! <laughs> like it was, it was as good as a Super Bowl, you know, like, yeah. No. In terms of performing, a hundred percent. Just the way like, they constructed yeah. it, and the and then yeah. at night, the three presidents that came in and chit chatted, and it, I guess it's there's yeah. this group called the Presidential Inaugural Committee, but right. clearly. You know, it's the the actual nitty gritty producers and the people yeah. reaching back to get the sound and coming up with the ideas to have people read. Like I thought that was to me that because I'm a I love presidential history to hear different snippets. You know, like the John Kennedy ask yeah. not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do yeah, for your country. Those moments. You know, we've all heard it, but it's yeah. so important at times like this to be reminded. Yeah. Yeah, that, exactly. And, and, and how they, like, how did that meeting go, let's say, you know, because the meeting probably happened the first week, of, you know, just after the election, mid-November, they're all sitting around. How do they go, oh, we've got to get that young, that young poet, you know, the... Yeah, the, yeah Amanda... Really cool, Amanda yeah. Gorman is... is yes, is, Gorman, you know, yes. We've got, we've got to get her. We, let's get her. And, and everyone goes, all right, I'll, I'll see if I can get her. I'll ring her agent. Like, I'm just, yeah. like... Whoever came up with that spitballing idea is, yes. is some kind of producing genius. Yes. Know, is, like, and then, then the idea of where to slot her in proceedings to get, I mean, you're in the radio business you know, and you're, you're um, married to a, a famous program director and then you work with Scott Shannon. Like the, the DJing of this event was, was quite brilliant. Yeah? It was. It was really, I mean, even uh, and in the evening when you saw those shots on that Celebrating America special and you saw, you know, you saw Bruce Springsteen performing yeah. on the steps of the, of the Lincoln Memorial and then it kind of panned up the steps to Tom Hanks who, was, yeah. who hosted and over his shoulder you saw Lincoln lit inside the memorial in the back 
background, and it was—I mean—it was visually stunning. It really yeah. was. Amazing. And and I, you know, on the on the performances, of course, Gaga is always fantastic, and you know, yes. and, and and I I loved her gesturing. She was gesturing really good. I mean, <laughs> this girl sells a performance, you know, yes. like as much as she can. And I thought, good for her. Well, and that and, voice uh, and her voice. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I just look at her and go, what a like. Isn't this girl used to sing for like ten bucks a night at the bitter end, you know, right. down on Bleecker Street? And now, I mean. Yeah, even that's a cool moment to me. Although she could go to Wembley Stadium and perform to 100,000 people, still she's at an inauguration singing, you know, the, the anthem is, is amazing. And then that fast forward, you know, a couple of moments later to J-Lo coming. J-Lo, I actually, yeah. I was nervous with J-Lo. I'm like, oh, I was too. How do you follow that performance from Gaga? Yeah. yeah. How do you follow that? Then J-Lo comes down and she crushes it. I'm like, J-Lo, well done. Like you're, you're, you're singing your voice teacher. Yeah. Really did a good job here. Yeah, yeah and I, she and I love the fact that she stopped and she she did some of the yeah, um Pledge of Allegiance loud. in Spanish. You yeah, know she did that and then she went, Let's get loud. Yeah. Yes. I'm no. like, Wow, J Lo, you killed that as well. So, she did. And and yeah. it's funny because um Arod was talking about it in the days before and he said no matter what she's ever done, she's more nervous about this event than yeah any other performance she's ever done because what matters to her is that people take it in the right spirit and that that she added to a sense of hope and yeah. and you know and i keep i sorry i keep saying this but i think we you know we would be remiss not to recognize that there are a lot of people disappointed in the outcome of the election but what you i think cannot be disappointed in is that it's America and we're moving forward and however that plays out, it'll play out. But I think that it's essential that we don't struggle toward the destruction of something greater than the, just this moment yeah. in time. And, right. and I think that's kind of what she was even thinking was that, you know, I want this moment to be bigger than just whose, whose side is she on? But yeah, that we're all on, we're going to try to be on the same side and we'll have our disagreements. Yep. I mean, that was my... No, no, it's great. Question. I mean, that's the important thing to, you know, in light of what's going on in the last month of, you know, the, the craziness at the Capitol and that, it's, yeah, it, it's important to underline that we're all in this together, but it, it, that's the hard part of any leader now is to bring people together and how they do that. I mean... Did, did your kids watch um, the inauguration? Yes, so Harvey's doing virtual learning, remote learning, and uh, he they had that shared on his screen, so he watched it. And my girls, one of one didn't have it on in the classroom, and the other had it on in the classroom. So, and they're uh, tell us how old they are. Uh, so my it's eleven, uh, eight, and uh, seven. And the girls are seven and eight. eight, eight. Yeah, that's right. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but they're, but so no, little, they're, they're but... little Americans, and they know what's going on, and. Yeah, you know, and they get it, and, and you know they're not. And like, example is the capital, you know, events on Gen Six. They they weren't disturbed by that. They sort of clocked it and understood, and mm -hmm. there was issues. And so I always ask them, and I said, "Are my kids going to be mentally harmed from from all these times and the over you know, abundance of news that's entering their? Let's call them feeds of how they mm -hmm. get their media or whatever as they." Um, as they're on TikTok, no, TikTok now is full of news, which is interesting. So, sure. um, um, so uh, I, I think they're all right. I think they're stable. I, I guess we can't judge our children until 
until they're in their twenties, I guess. <laughs> well, it's funny. I my kids were very little um, during nine eleven, and I worried about that terribly. Um, they were. Um, Jake was in first grade, um, and then Kate was in preschool, and Will was not even two yet. And um, but you know, they obviously it was hard to miss because that was pretty much all the coverage and and people were you know the, what the country was like in those days was unbelievable and you do worry about that and the long-term impact but um you know again i think it goes back to parenting and just kind of soothing them and telling them Thank you me. know this is a part of this is a part of politics. It's a, yep. It was an unusual event, but not unheard of. Right. And certainly worldwide, not unheard of, but even in this country. So it's a, it's a learning experience, a teaching moment for you guys. Yeah, yeah and it seems like you know, every, both sides can get on with it now and you know, govern and you know, let's, let's see how the next four years pan out. Yeah. Yeah. So do you still love us here in America? Yeah. Oh, I do. Yes, for sure. And <laughs> but that was the crazy thing. Like all the tech after the, do we call it an insurrection? Is that what we officially call January 6th events? Well, I think there are people who call it an insurrection. I think there are people <laughs> who called it a protest. I think right. there are people who called it a rally. I think right. there are people who called it a melee. I All think, right. um, you know, to be fair, you can, you can just call it an, an event. <laughs> that's a really unexciting yeah. generic yeah, term. But. Yeah, that's, so, so that event, yeah, on January 6th, the events of January 6th, is, you know, a lot of uh, Australians are like, what are you doing? Like, what's going on over there? You know, and I'm yeah. like, this, and I had to underline to them that America is a this beautiful beast and it just it keeps on churning regardless of what's even happening up the top. Most people want their kids to be healthy, you know, put food on the table, get right. a good education, come home, watch Netflix, watch some football, watch some sport after your kids have played some sport. Like, like the machine keeps going. And, and I, you know, in my, the ups and downs of being locked down in COVID and not being able to go out into the world, but you've mm -hmm. got to see the evidence of commerce moving, even during lockdown as small businesses were crumbling, but the, the, the roads, the traffic started picking up in June, July and August mm -hmm. and you're watching trucks moving. And, you know, we went for a drive to, um, uh, to Ohio, you know, and, and the roads were packed. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, there's, you know, it, it was important to see that this country doesn't stop, you know. Well, uh, you and know. people were even coming up with new ideas for yes. business ideas yes. based on where we are now, which I found yeah. really fascinating. So, so the, the people of the country, and I had to explain this to Australians, don't just go from the news watching, you know, people storm the Capitol and, you know, people, you know, presidents saying some crazy things or people in government doing Forget all that's just the mainstream media feeding you all this. You know, yeah. And Aussies love America in that regard that they're watching this and, and you know, Trump, they would wake up to Trump every morning on television because he was so <laughs> kind of intoxicating to watch. He was like incredible. You know? A bit of a personality. <laughs> yeah, like amazing. I love him or dislike him. He mm -hmm. was very entertaining to watch. And, and, and that whole... Um, that they're being fed all that. And I'm like, no, things are good, you know. But I go, my, my daughter played a whole season of soccer and there's, you know, 30 families on the sidelines. And these are yeah. all good, not nice, normal people just 
trying to get ahead. You know, yeah. So anyway, that's yeah, it's hard to explain when you're getting fed one story in a different country about this amazing country. And, well, you know, it, it, well we're yeah. even getting fed different stories in this country. So yeah. that's not unusual. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, a, um, yeah, yeah. No, so full steam ahead, I, I say. I'm excited. You know, for, you know, and, that's, and that probably gets back to what you meant with the inauguration, that it is this, you know, um, you know, line in the sand of the next four years. It's like, yeah. all right, let's go now. Let's, let's, let's get to work for everyone, you know, like, let's yep. go. See what we can do next. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, well, I was really, really um, proud of you, shocked at first, and then right. proud of you and grateful you. that you went down there to just kind of drink in that atmosphere. And I know that it was hard because um, it's hard enough when you don't have, you know, the full-on press credentials, let yeah. alone when there are 25,000 National Guardsmen ready right. to, like, take you out if yeah. you try to yeah. get through any barriers. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, it's funny because they have all these barriers set up and they let you through them, uh-huh. which I'm like, oh, this is cool. And there'd be guys with machine guns. I'm like, can I go through there? And they'd sort of grunt and nod their, nod their hair. And I'm like, thanks, guys. But the barriers were set up in a way that you actually had to climb over them. So it was quite entertaining to watch, like, these, you know, um, journalists. I'm a real-life journalist, you know, in suits. and um, <laughs> You're and a real. They're, they're, they're just trying to get their stand-up shot, you know, they stand in front of their cameraman and, uh, and uh, it's been a big day here in Washington, D.C., those. And they're having to, like, sort of do – one woman's wearing a nice skirt. She had to do the splits over the, a concrete barrier. And I'm like, well, that yeah, they're letting us in here, but they it's like um, they're letting us in, but they really don't want you in there. It's like going to someone's party, but the uh, the couple that threw the party had a big argument beforehand and, and, and the wife said, I'm not laying out any condiments or food beforehand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah, so it was, it was a very uh, interesting atmosphere, but we, we, we did what we could do, Patty. So thank you for your um, kind words of uh, the biggest uh, non-event event I've ever covered. <laughs> was there any aha moment any moment when you went wow that's cool or was it mostly wow there's nothing happening <laughs> there's nothing happening like even you know and i've made a career out of interviewing crazy people on the streets right there wasn't even any oh, crazy, crazy well yeah they 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 made sure all the crazies were oh. out in maryland or virginia yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I found some woman singing on a street corner i said oh this is this is a brad blake's interview with this woman yeah. i went up to her and did the interview and she was the most polite eloquent you know lovely elderly woman <laughs> yes yeah, and i'm like and the whole time i'm interviewing going oh this is just so not funny this interview. <laughs> i mean i can uh what's scott shannon gonna say when i give him this interview yeah so i didn't even um, right afford, but but anyway I had a similar experience years ago. I was working on the morning show at Z100 in New York, and I was really young and inexperienced. And, um, and uh, Donald Trump, who we now know as the ex-president, was getting married to Marla Maples. And at the time, Trump owned the Plaza Hotel in New York. And they said to me, go in there and see what you can get. See if you can get it, you know, find them, talk to anybody, maybe a, you know, bridesmaid, whatever. And, and I actually got to stay at the hotel. So I thought, sure, great. I wandered the hallways with this little recording device. Yeah. Never saw anybody or anything go on. <laughs> it was the yeah. most boring. <laughs> oh. 
Yeah. But that so happens. That's great, Patty. You, know, you made me laugh because you said, what was my aha moment? And I'm like, oh, I'd love to give you an answer, but there were no aha moments. Right, that was what happened to me. The, yeah, the I, aha moment was yeah. that there was no aha. No, that, and that was the aha. Yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> That's, that's kind of funny, yeah. though. <laughs> yeah, it is. And that's, and that's why I have no and I'm glad I did it, and it's a story I'll be able to tell, you know, in 20 years' time. Oh, remember that time you covered that event, right? Oh, yeah, it was very weird, but um, <laughs> but uh, it was great, and, and, and people wanted to hear about it. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That was good. It was good fun. Great. Well, thank you so, so much. I, I love that you did that. I love that you do everything you do. You're wonderful, and um, and... Thank you. Well, thank you. And I will drink with you in February. I hope so. You better. Bye. <laughs> Bye. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.